It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is James Hart of 18 Visions. Uh, You may also remember him from his time spent in Burn Halo after 18 Visions called it a day the first time. This interview actually came about uh, while I was out in L.A. uh, about a month ago, and it was super nice of James to actually take the time to talk to me a little bit. Um, Dude was super busy, uh, as I ended up finding out. When I met up with James, uh, he actually was doing merch and kind of doing a lot of the different ins and outs of uh, being in a touring band on their own just to kind of, you know, make it easier on the band itself, uh, not having a million people come out with them. Uh, They were doing a weekend run of shows uh, out on the West Coast, and uh, the Roxy was, I believe, the last one of those three dates. Uh, It was pretty interesting, actually, to finally see 18 Visions, uh, a band my wife and I have liked for a long time. Um, interestingly enough, I was really into the band when, like, until the ink runs out and, like, Vanity and stuff like that had kind of come out. More of kind of the traditional hardcore uh, sound uh, that a lot of my friends who were into that style were into at the time. Whereas, seemingly, my wife got into the band uh, around the time of, like, the self-titled record, maybe around Vanity as well. kind of trying to remember some of the records that she listens to more out of that band. Uh, but I know when I ended up buying Until the Ink Runs Out for her on vinyl and played it, she was not too stoked on, on that and was like, what is this? <laughs> um, but it was kind of cool to, to be able to go to the show. Um, interestingly enough, you know, I've never been out to the West Coast and my wife had only been once. And I don't remember exactly where she said it was. But it was weird kind of being in Hollywood, on literally on the sunstrip, Sunset Strip is where we were staying and, you know, being from the East Coast originally and now living in the Midwest, it's very weird to go somewhere where people don't seemingly get up until 10 or 11. Uh, the city, like, you know, we, I mean, granted, we were still on our three hours time difference body clock. Uh, but it was weird to get up at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning and nothing's really happening and places aren't open. And it's just very weird, um, especially when you, all you hear about is how busy L.A. is and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was really pretty, uh, a lot of the places we went to. Um, but just like anywhere, you know, you can kind of take a, a, you know, a turn down a different road. And it kind of been a little bit of a sketchy area. Um, but overall, the trip was really cool. Um, got to The first night we got in, we went to the Viper Room. Uh, which I definitely will say is... Like, I remember kind of getting in there and I was like, this is it? <laughs> um but it was cool. Ended up seeing some uh, some bands uh, that were on tour, like smaller bands. Um, it was kind of outrageous how much I paid to get in to, to see said bands, uh, considering if I were to go see that show probably anywhere else, it would maybe be a 5 to $8 show, not $15 each. Uh, but regardless, um, it was really interesting just kind of looking around and, and kind of taking in the, the vibe of the place and... Uh, getting a sense of like the history of you know this is where you know bands from the 80s that I love and, and grew up listening to this is where they played and this is still kind of that thing of like this is a, a room that means something in a day and age where a lot of older venues are kind of going under and so forth like there aren't many places that have that history anymore of what 
the place used to be and just kind of like man so many great amazing bands have have you know cut their teeth playing in this room um especially in a day and age you know where a lot of that kind of goes away like you know the the grunginess of of a place uh being sort of a dive bar and i really enjoyed the fact that it hasn't lost any of that and kind of actually really prides itself on on still being that place um those are kind of my bars anyway and so i think if i were to live out there i, <laughs> I don't know necessarily that i would pay 15 dollars to go see bands every day every night of the week or whatever but uh i think i would definitely probably frequent it as just a bar um you know they're playing really great music over the pa as the bands were getting ready uh shit like blindside and uh just all kinds of stuff from like when I was growing up. So I, I really enjoyed that. And whoever the uh, sound dude was playing all that shit, like kudos to you. I, I fucking thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I have the soundtrack to drinking my whiskey and PBR. <laughs> um, the other thing too, that was kind of interesting about the trip out to LA was, you know, just kind of going down the sunset strip and just kind of going to see some of these other venues. Uh, you know, I didn't get to go to the whiskey, but I passed it. We obviously went to the Roxy and, what was interesting, too, about on my way to go to do this interview was the fact that I ended up seeing so many people before the show that were, like, you know, industry people. Like, I saw Zach Cannon, who did sound for 18 Visions that night, but uh, also has done sound for uh, The Used, has done sound for Every Time I Die. That's how I know who Zach is, because he was in all those Every Time I Die DVDs from forever ago. Uh, but the dude, you know, any sound that I've ever seen him do just always sounds really fucking good. And it's one of those, like, where you see how goofy he can be and all that kind of stuff and follow him on Twitter and so forth. Like, it, you kind of forget that the, the guy is a professional and what the, what he does. Uh, so it was really kind of cool to see him, uh, you know, basically randomly. I didn't know he was going to be doing sound for 18 Visions, so that was kind of a neat little surprise. And I even was like, hey, Zach. And then I kind of remembered, I was like, oh, yeah, you don't know who I am, <laughs> which is kind of weird when you watch, like, band documentary DVDs as much as you do is you feel like you know these people and are, are like, a, a weird friend of sorts to them, and they don't know who the fuck you are. So it's always kind of funny to be like, oh, yeah, I got to remember that they don't know who I am. Um, James, though, couldn't have been nicer. Like, you know, we didn't get a ton of time together, but I feel like we were able to pack quite a bit into the 20-ish minutes or so that we were able to talk. Um, and, I mean, just the fact that he he honestly didn't have to do any of this, um, but the fact that he did and he was so gracious with his time and so forth was was really cool. Uh, James is someone that I've actually wanted to get on the podcast for a while. And then, interestingly enough, he 18 Visions rolled out with a new record and, and so on and so forth because I really wanted to talk to him about what I ended up talking to him about was his, his job being a hairstylist uh, and going through cosmetology school at a time where a lot of people really weren't uh, as far as like men and especially you know men in the hardcore scene as well. Um, so it was kind of cool to be able to talk to, to James as I've mentioned him a couple of times on this podcast in that regard. And while it may not be an interview a lot of people really dig, uh, because it's not about the band, it's not about band stuff, I think it was really cool to kind of talk to him about something that he probably doesn't get asked a whole lot about for an entire interview. Uh, the few interviews that I had been listening to leading up to the one that we ended up having, it's like a very, like, if the interview is an hour, he only gets to talk about this thing for, like, maybe, like, one question. So it's definitely something that I've wanted to kind of pick his brain about a little bit. Uh, cosmetology and hairstyling as a whole is, is actually a career that I've wanted to go into for a long time. 
I just don't. <laughs> it's an oversaturated market where I live. Uh, a ton, a ton, a ton of people uh, go into it. And I always just feel like, you know, with the oversaturation of people who are into it, uh, that it might be a lot harder to find a job and, and kind of carve out a, a career in it. So I've kind of been leery of going down that road. Uh, but a lot of my friends actually have been going into into that realm and seemingly are having a lot of fun and, and finding a lot of uh, reward in the process of going through the schooling and, and then subsequently getting a job at a you know a salon or a barbershop or something and I don't know it's kind of got me kind of got me wanting to go and do it again like kind of want to, to look into going to school I mean at 33 is <laughs> do I really want to go down another path and try to find a new career and start doing something all over from scratch or just kind of you know do what I'm, I'm doing now uh, I don't know but it's it's uh, something that I've definitely thought about doing for a long time and, and getting to talk to James, who is one of the people that kind of got me interested in wanting to do uh, hairstyling and so forth and seeing how it can it can correlate into my passion of like hardcore and, and music in general into just, you know, kind of wanting to be a creative person uh, in that realm. Um, it was really cool. Interestingly enough, too, about the, the 18 Visions show was uh, Davey Havoc was there from AFI and a slew of other bands at this point. Um, and while initially I didn't understand why he was there, it suddenly occurred to me that uh, during the show that he basically was in a band, uh, a new straight-edge band called Extremist, uh, and the guitar player for uh, 18 Visions is the guitar player of that band as well. Uh, and so kind of putting it all together, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, this all makes sense. And, and you know, they probably, 18 Visions and, and uh, the dudes and... AFI probably were friends way back in the day. Uh, so it was just kind of like one of those weird things where my wife and I were like, I think that's Davey Havoc. And then uh, I realized it really was when I almost caught a swinging like, arms from Davey uh, while he was moshing during the show. Uh, I may have mentioned that at a different point, but I I'm not entirely sure. But uh, <laughs> I don't think many people at this in this day and age, unless you were at that show, uh, can probably say you almost got hit in the face by Davey Havoc while he was moshing to 18 Visions' uh, Tower of Snakes. Uh, so uh, that that was pretty much the capper to our L.A. trip and, and definitely was one of those where I was like, well, I guess, you know, we saw the band, I did the podcast, and uh, that happened. Uh, so it was kind of kind of a trip to, to have that happen and kind of be the ending of our, our trip out to L.A. Um, also ran into uh, Doc Coyle of Bad Wolves, who I will actually, as of the day I'm recording this uh, intro, we are going to finally be doing our podcast uh, in a few hours. So it was kind of cool actually getting to meet him in person and talk to him a little bit and kind of, you know, he was telling me some of the people he's got coming up on the podcast and so forth. And uh, it was just kind of really cool. Doc couldn't have been nicer and uh, I definitely think, uh, you know, his podcast is killing it right now. Like, he just put out an episode with Ken Susie that was uh, fucking great. Everything that that dude's doing over on his podcast is great, and I highly recommend going over and checking out his podcast. Very much like myself, he tries to get a wide ranging of guests and going down the rabbit hole of just kind of, you know, industry stuff, you know, behind-the-scenes people and so forth. And it's just, it's always a great listen. Uh, and speaking of great listens, while it may be short, this is my conversation with James Hart of 18 Visions. <laughs>
studio. I, I'm not very smart with this shit, so this is the easiest way I can do it. Right on. Um, so, I'll just double check, make sure I got everything good. So, what's the podcast all about? It's basically just people pursuing their passions, really. Right on. Like it's kind of like it, I called it my untitled podcast because I couldn't come up with a clever name. And then the more I thought about it, it's like I just talked to people about like like when I talked to Mark from Atreyu. <laughs> I was like, I want to talk to you about your photography and shit like that. So basically your yeah. other passion that okay. like, inspires you. Cool. So like, I kind of realized like that's sort of like my angle on everything. So like when I originally, like I just saw a, a time hop on my Facebook that said basically like how I was talking about you over the last two podcasts I've done because uh, TJ Miller from Still Remains uh, went to cosmetology school. Okay. And then uh, a few other people I've talked to kind of went around the same time you did. So I was like, oh, you know, James is one of the few people I can think of that initially that went to cosmetology school that was in a bit like a hardcore band yeah. and pursuing that as well as pursuing the music career, like kind of both at the same time. And it was one of those things for me where I was like, you know, like I feel like he was kind of the catalyst for that, like one of the catalysts for that, like pursuing both passions. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I just kind of was thinking about that. So, like, when we were doing this, I was like, you know, it's, I think a lot of people have been focusing on you coming back. And uh, I understand that that's a thing, obviously. But it was more like, you know, now you've really been into your other career this whole time. And to me, it's like, I think that's kind of a cooler story. Like, what have you been doing within that career this whole time? And uh, in addition to kind of, like, seeing, like, the band thing, like, once you left it, like, kind of looking at it from a perspective of, like, not being an active participant. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, I have James Hart, 18 Visions, Expert Halo, with me, outside the Roxy, so forgive the background noise if you hear it. What's up? And uh, we're going to do a quick chat about uh, James's other profession, or now his main profession, now that the music thing is his, his other thing at, at this point. Yeah. So, I know you and Javier, and even Brandon, way back in the day, ended up doing... Uh, getting into cosmetology school and what's always interesting to me about it is i think you know men have always been a pretty heavy uh force within the cosmetology within the cosmetology uh field but on the same token when you guys got into it i don't feel like there's a lot of men really in that field especially with the crazy hairstyles that were starting to come out and the change within that field so what was it like kind of going through that uh at that time oh it was it was it was cool i mean i i felt like it was something i kind of wanted to pursue uh, in, in high school, I started getting into music and metal and hardcore, and um, I was always into or intrigued by the visual side of music. And, right. You know, um, just the way that bands looked in you know the '80s and the early '90s and stuff, and the transitions and um, interested in stuff like that. David Bowie, I thought, always had a cool. Uh, androgynous look that was like a, a, always shifting and there's a lot of 80s artists that were doing that and I thought it was super cool um, I never expected music to turn into a career it wasn't even necessarily a passion of mine when I was younger it was just something I sort of fell into um, was doing 18 visions and then ended up going to cosmetology school with my old bandmate Hav and you know, finished that up and, you know, started to get my hands into it a little bit for a couple of years. 18 Visions was doing minor touring um, at the time. And it wasn't until I think 2002, right around 2002 or 2003, we decided to go full time. So I completely left that and then, you know, did the 18V thing and pursued, uh, continued to pursue music with Burn Halo. And then, you know, when I felt like it was finally time for me to, you know, really take a look at my life and what I was doing and, you know, my future, I felt like I needed to step away from music full time and, you know, kind of get 
get back into something more stable and you know being a hairstylist uh, uh, offered me that stability to you know build my own clientele work my own schedule uh, make some good stable money and build a career for myself and still be able to you know kind of do um, do music or pursue other things if I want to I, I still have that free time but it was also another way for me to be creative if I wasn't able to do music right what's always kind of interesting too is I feel like a lot of people you know I feel like it's one of the few professions that you can actually kind of take on the road with you like I know it's kind of frowned upon to do sort of like the uh, the backyard kind of you know hairstyles and so forth once you get perf- like licensed and so forth but yeah so I actually did that for a while <laughs> with 18 visions and I had people reach out to me a couple people were cool I you know I did some haircuts and one girl wanted me to color her hair so I I, I went down to like a Sally Beauty Supply I think we were in like Louisville Kentucky and we were on like a Lamb of God tour okay and I went to like a Sally Beauty Supply and she wanted this double process hair color which is you know you do one process you wash it out and then you do another process you wash that out so she wanted like some red in her hair with black okay. so I did the black when I foiled some some pieces <laughs> out lightened them up washed it in some ghetto ass sink and then ended up putting red over it and we had predetermined like the cost of all this you know and, and my time my especially my free time on the road <laughs> and after we were done she just kind of walked off I stopped her and I said hey so you know what about like you know paying me for this we agreed upon a, a, a dollar amount she's like oh I don't remember any of that sorry I don't have any money on me so I ended up paying for the product Sucks. And giving her about three hours of my free time on tour, which that's kind of sparse, you know. As you know, we all know, time is the most precious gift that you can give somebody. So yeah, yeah, I felt a little gypped. So after that, I I, I kind of stepped away from doing it. And then once I knew that I was most likely going to be coming back into the career in here the last couple of burn halo tours that I did I started throwing out the idea of doing haircuts so I did a few here and there just to kind of get my hands back in it before I went to the salon full time and and that was cool that worked out all right but again it's just it's not a professional setting it's not like an ideal situation to work in and you know it's not comfortable for me it's not comfortable for the client you can't you know you don't have all your tools there you can't right. kind of you can't really put 110% into it so it's a little it's a little tough something I've always kind of wondered too uh, in talking with some of my friends who tattoo and some other musicians who tattoo as well as doing the band thing, is I know that like tattoo artists, given kind of the nature of their profession, sort of end up as like discount therapists of sorts. So I've kind of wondered if uh, if that happens to you even, like where people just kind of start like as you're like maybe doing a, like a three hour long process of oh. coloring hair, just start telling you like shit you don't necessarily need to know. Absolutely, man. I mean, I you get some weird stories from like certain clients that are, you know, a, a lot of Yelp clients okay. that are, I would say 50-50 are like weird and 50% are normal. <laughs> and the weird ones will come in, they'll sit down in your chair and they're just like super neurotic and they'll dump like deep personal, you know, issues and stories um, on you within the first 10, 15 minutes. Whereas clients that I've had for like the last five or six years, you know, they're in on a regular basis. You kind of get to know them. You get to know their backstory, their history, their family, and, you know, their hobbies and their careers. 
but it's a slow build, you know? It's not like, here's my life in five minutes, you right. know? Um, so those kind of clients create a little bit of, like, an awkwardness, but, you know, you just you just deal with it and bow through it. And then you get to know clients, too, over, you know, for me over the last five or six years and, you know, hopefully five to 15 years more, however long I continue to do this. And your clients go through some things, you know? They have deaths in the family. They get married. They get divorced. They have children. Um, you know, they change careers. Right. So, you know, there's a lot going on. So you're with somebody for anywhere from me, for me, anywhere from 45 minutes to, you know, three, sometimes four hours, depending on what I'm doing with them. And, you know, it's just an opportunity for them to, you know, have a, a lending ear. Right. Also, kind of the fun thing to me, sort of about your, your profession now is, and given the fact that, you know, I'm in my almost mid-30s now, and I know you're older than I am, but thinking about how seeing some of these old styles coming back, like, is it kind of a trip for you to, like, see some of these styles, like, maybe even living out here in California, maybe before, like, they make their way out, like, to, to where I am in the Midwest or whatever, is that kind of a trip to see some of these old styles coming back? Yeah, well, so, I mean, with, with hairstyling, like, the trends are, are constantly shifting and kind of going back to, you know, stuff from the 80s. Right. But putting, like, modern twists on it, uh, which is which is super cool. Um, I mean, some clients are cool with it, some aren't. Um, I like some of it, some of it I don't. The biggest thing I've noticed, man, is actually playing and going to shows. Okay. And the shift. And it has this total, like, 90s feel to everything. So for me, a lot of these new bands I'm hearing sound like late 90s, hardcore or metalcore and then stylistically like visually i'm seeing longer hair um you know bigger t-shirts uh some bands looking like they could you know they're sound garden at like 19 years old you know <laughs> yeah and to me that's cool because i grew up on that stuff right you know? so I, I i like i like that vibe to me so it's you know it's cool i, I just like how fashion and music is just ever-changing Kind of speaking a little bit to the fashion and music, it would be a California thing without California. <laughs> uh, speaking to fashion and music, though, you know, I, you know, everyone kind of tagged you guys as like the originators. I would say of fashion core, and I hate fucking subgenres and titles and all that shit, but it is what it is. Um, but the interesting thing to me is, is you know, with one of you, with you guys being one of the few that kind of got into more of a a look like a look as a band and look as, as individuals due to you know like I said three of you going to uh, cosmetology school and so forth and where you actually had well, day jobs well uh, really two of us did well okay so. at least the uh, third one a, went a month doesn't count okay well it never has been specified how long he actually went so <laughs> I was just giving him benefit of the doubt but be that as it may with the, uh, the two of you actually going through and finishing and the jobs that you guys had uh, leading up to the band, something I kind of always wondered though is like, do you ever felt like it, it gave you guys more of a bond than maybe the average band? Because not only were you in the band, but you had this other thing that maybe not a lot of people were doing, not only at the time, but just in general, like another career field that maybe would bond you over like, man, that gig was awesome, blah, blah, blah. We got this like coloring test tomorrow. Like, holy shit, I fucking nailed it. You, oh man, you killed that. Like, no, I mean, no, I didn't really go through anything like that, to be honest with you. Um, it, the whole image thing was definitely due to, to, you know, working in the hair industry and like going to school, but also like while I was going to school, Ken and I worked at uh, Banana Republic. Right. So we got nice. Well, first of all, we had to wear some of that clothes to work. Yeah. 
we got a 50% discount on some of these nice clothes. So we're just, you know, I'd wear some of that to, to, you know, to school and then kind of out and about, I wouldn't change, you know, after work or, you know, before work or whatever, I just kind of wear the same thing all day. And I just, you know, started getting confidence on it, started to feel comfortable wearing that. And it just kind of evolved and we all just kind of rubbed off on each other with our styles and, and what we liked. And there was other bands too that influenced us at the time, like Refused and Unbroken. And, uh, they were definitely heavy visual like influences on, on us as, as people and, and as a band. Um, but the whole fashion core thing's funny to us because <laughs> it's something that we never even coined. No. Um, and it's something that we used to cringe at, but I mean, now we just think it's funny. So it's like kind of like we. We, you know, 10 years later after breaking up, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, Fashion Core, what did you think of that? And we just, like, kind of laugh about it. So it's kind of a joke to us. Right. It's it's kind of interesting to me, though, because, I, interestingly enough, uh, like, you grew up in the Midwest, in Chicago, and I live now in Michigan, but I'm from the East Coast initially, so we kind of have the same thing, sort of. Like, you grew up in the Midwest and then came out West, or in the Midwest and then came out here to California, whereas I came from east coast and then here in the midwest and just the differences in in lifestyle kind of even kind of like a little bit of a culture shock for me coming out here where everyone's in a hurry to do nothing uh, as i've kind of learned uh in the last few days but i always kind of wondered like how much of like was it just kind of a interesting transition for you going from the midwest like when you did to the to out here in california like was it as much of a shock kind of as it has been for me just to see how different it is i mean i was six oh okay (laughs) so um you weren't that much older than I was when I moved from Delaware to, to Michigan. So. The, the only difference for me was moving to cold weather to not cold weather. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that was the only the only real the only real thing I can remember experiencing was not having to, you know, bundle up and wear like thirty layers to go to school. You know, <laughs> so it's weird because there are people wearing like thirty layers here. In the last few days I've been here, and I'm just wearing shorts and like a tank top or whatever. And I'm like, why are you getting, like yeah, people look like they're cold? That's the thing. It's like. <laughs> It's 65, and it's, like, time to layer up. You know? Yeah, that's, my, that's so weird to me. And my dad will come out and visit in, like, February. It's, like, 65, you know, or gets down into the 50s, and he's wearing, like, you know, flip-flops and shorts and a tank top. Yeah, I've been, like, sweating the whole time I'm out here. It's better than the thir- 13 degrees I left when I left Michigan a yeah, couple days ago. And uh, kind of wrapping up, you know, you, you kind of talked about, you know, other bands, you know, that are kind of getting sort of the, the label of, like, the fashion court thing and so forth. Kind of beyond that, though, like, you know, I can think of a handful of bands, you know, with uh, with Captain from Old Wounds, actually, kind of going through cosmetology school and stuff like that. Is it kind of cool, like, to see, like, this other, like, generation, sort of, of, like, hardcore band people kind of getting into this thing and, and kind of embracing this thing that you guys kind of started, per se, but, like, kind of are at a point where you're able to look back on it and be like, you know, it's kind of cool what they're doing now and taking it, like, a step further with like kind of like their their foot like in the past like when we were coming out to kind of doing it now and like yeah all the hair shit I, yeah doing. I think it's great man um, and you know I, I just I'll, I'll I'll touch on two notes just as as a musician right like you're all about creating something from from the music's created from absolutely nothing yeah you know what I mean there's there's no there's no palette right you're just it's just open air open space just it's a void until you start creating notes or a beat or a vocal, you know, you start spitting something out, right? Hair, there's a little bit of, you know, you, you see somebody comes in with their hair a certain color or a certain shape or texture and you're like, okay, this is what I can do with this, right? 
Um, so there's just two different kind of creative angles working, but still with, with music, the beauty and the glory is that you, you are just creating something from nothing and then you record it, you put it down and it's there forever. Right. right. And nothing will ever, for me, fully replace that like self, like gratification yep. of like being able to do that. Hair is a different, a, a whole different world. It allows me to be creative on a daily basis and it challenges me to, you know, kind of stay on my toes from client to client. Everyone's different. Everyone has different wants and different needs and, you know, different ideas of what, you know, fashion is and what their image is. And um, it's it's rad to be able to kind of like cater to that, but also offer new ideas and, you know, help move somebody into something that they never thought that they could wear. And make them feel awesome about themselves um it's still being creative on a daily basis which is also super gratifying to me and then obviously allows me to build a career and some stability for you know my family and myself uh and then and then the other thing where I, where i see the uh, the parallels is just the world that you know music has turned into with you know, being accepting and, you know, a place where you can come without judgment and, you know, live in your own skin. And I feel like, you know, the salon community has that as well. We have, you know, for, I mean, for a very, very long time, you know, especially when I went to cosmetology school back in, you know, 1999, 2000, it was predominantly if you were a guy, you, you, you know, you were gay. Right. I mean, there wasn't a lot of straight guys doing it. Right. And... You know, there's a, a, a lot more straight guys doing it now. Um, you know, but you're in a, and you're in a salon with with gay men, and you know, I work with a, a few gay men in my salon, and and two of them are, are married, and you know, talking to them, you know, one of them's uh, 60 years old, and he, he didn't feel, you know, he's got kids from a marriage with a woman, and he didn't feel comfortable about, you know, coming out and being himself. Um, you know, at the appropriate age when he, you know, told me that he knew, you know, at a very young age who he was and, and what he was. Um, and, you know, now in 2018, you know, I have a transgender person working in my salon as well uh, at a young age that is comfortable to come out and is afforded the liberty to come out and, you know, feel comfortable in their own skin and, and you know, be who they are and what they, you know, what they want to be. And, I feel like the music industry offers that as well, you know, at least the hardcore yeah. scene um, and, you know, the salon industry are just so accepting and, and welcoming of, you know, all walks of life. And it's, um, yeah, I just, I wish that uh, the whole, you know, the whole world was as progressive as, you know, both of the, uh, the industries that I've been a part of. Yeah. It it was kind of. I feel like it's kind of getting there, especially in, in the last couple of weeks with the uh, the sort of Me Too movement going on within the hardcore world, like kind of outing people who have uh, been doing a lot of bad things. So right. I just kind of keep it simple. Uh, kind of wrapping up. Uh, last few questions. Uh, one unrelated to hair, but I I'm excited because when I go to Chicago in a few months, I'm actually going to go see the Braceway Cubs. I'm going to finally go to Wrigley. How do you feel about the Cubs this year? feel great uh just signed uh you darvish six-year contract so i feel like uh you know it was either him or or arietta for me 
Signing one of those two guys really solidified the rotation. I feel good about the team. Didn't really need to make any changes or upgrades on offense. Must be nice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have the best pitching right now, but I feel like we're going to trade it all away in the next year or two. You don't have the best pitching, but that's okay. We have one of the best farm systems right now. That's great. Yeah. Well, look, remember, like in the heyday when uh, we had Smoltz, Glavin, and... Uh, you know, all those guys. Maddox. Maddox, yeah. like that with the former Cub. Yeah. Uh, that, that was what we kind of, the bread and butter of our team at the time. Right. So, I mean, I'm hoping that maybe we can get a solid 3-4 rotation and uh, get back to our, our dominant pitching years again. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the last questions. Um, NL, NL is tough. Huh? The National League is tough. Yeah, it's, I'm still really mad that the last last uh, game that Chipper Jones is now going to the Hall of Fame played was like, that weird, like, fucking round-out sort of rule. Oh, was, like, yeah. last at bat in the playoffs. I was like, yeah. motherfucker. Um, but, I mean, being a Lions fan, I'm also used to a lot of disappointment and weird-ass rules. Um, I always end these with a, a song. So uh, what would you like me to play the episode out to? Could be anything. Gosh. Something maybe you've been jamming a lot lately. Anything at all. Anything at all. As long as I can find it on YouTube. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's go with one of my all-time favorite songs off of my all-time favorite album rain when i die allison chains okay and then the actual last question i have what has been one of your favorite memories in your your haircutting career that you still look back on and just kind of inspires you to keep going with uh within that Hmm. i know that may be a tough question gosh yeah man it's it is so tough i think um for me, it's nothing that I've done behind the chair, per se. It's uh, watching a haircutter uh, educator for, uh, he was with Vidal Sassoon and Paul Mitchell for a long time. His name's DJ Muldoon. And the way that he teaches and educates haircutting is just so simple and so relatable and understandable that it just, you listen to him talk and you watch him work and you watch him teach um, and it just motivates you to pick up a pair of shears. And start cutting, yeah. So, so inspiration daily or every time you see him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's easy. The I mean, he's got his own salon in San Diego now, um, and he does consistent education. There's online education. We had him in our salon. Um, you know, they do stuff at the hair shows. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. It's just for me. Uh, it inspires me to pick up some shears. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll let you get back to uh, getting ready for the show tonight. Looking forward to it. First time actually getting to see you. I feel weird saying that as a 33-year-old man. Hey, <laughs> not the first. Uh, looking forward to the show. Thank you again for doing cool. this. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So that was my chat with James Hart of 18 Visions. Uh, as I said in the intro, I kind of wanted to keep this one in a, a little bit more of a different realm as far as just trying to talk about James's actual career that he's been doing probably as long now, or maybe a little bit longer as he has for being known for being a band dude. Um, something I don't think I really mentioned, and, and it was one of my questions, was I kind of wanted to know, now that the band's back and going, uh, even on a part-time level, maybe what some of his clients who weren't aware of him being from a hardcore band previously, what they thought, you know, when he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to be out for, for this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be playing some shows. And if people are thinking, you know, like, oh, that's nice. Like, you know, you got a band and don't know to what level that 18 Visions was at, nor probably the style of music that it is. Uh, I always find it interesting that people who are kind of soft-spoken uh, and so forth, that, you know, when they 
when people hear them in their in like the band setting or just see someone go ape shit live like that they're just like wow i didn't know i didn't know you did all that uh so i forgot to ask him that but i think it'd be really interesting to kind of maybe get a different perspective on uh maybe how some of his clients who weren't aware of of james's past uh would feel or how they've reacted to to 18 visions being back and, and maybe looking up uh him and his style of music I'm um, going to kind of keep this one short as a whole, though, just because this in, this episode was pretty quick, so uh, kind of get in and get out. If you would like to follow James on Instagram or Twitter, you can at Hardagram. That's H-A-R-T-A-G-R-A-M, uh, taken after the logo of the one of my favorite bands, uh, him. And uh, I'm still really jealous of people who are able to parlay part of their name into a Twitter handle or a podcast name, looking at you, Toomey. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but again, that's uh, Instagram and Twitter at Hardagram. And if you would like to follow 18 Visions and keep up with what they're doing, uh, they have been playing sporadic shows here and there. Uh, you can follow them. Best way to do it really would probably be just go to 18vofficial.com. Uh, if you would like to just follow them on their socials itself, uh, it's 18v underscore official for Instagram as well as Twitter. Uh, simple enough. If you would like to keep up with Mosh Pit Nation, you can at moshpitnation.com. You can follow them on Facebook at Mosh Pit Nation West, capital M-I. Twitter and Instagram are simply Mosh Pit Nation. And if you would like to follow me, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Entitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Entitled Pod. And you can email me at johnsentitledpod at gmail.com. Interestingly enough, uh, since I know a lot of people may not be familiar with the fact that 18 Visions put out a new record, uh, something I wasn't really aware of until I made comment to a few friends that I was actually going out and talking to James and going to see 18 Visions, uh, which was kind of the basis of going to L.A., uh, I got a lot of confused looks on people's faces and a lot of, like, they're still a band? And so I was like, yeah, dude, they, they have been a band for about a year now, and they put out a really great comeback record, uh, just, you know, self-titled, basically. And uh, so in addition to playing the song that James wanted me to play out, which was Rain When I Die by Alice in Chains, I'm going to play basically the, the first track off of their new record, Crucified. Um, when they put out that song, or when I got the album, I should say, and I got that song, I was like, holy fuck, this band is back. Uh, with a vengeance it's a it's a fucking banger of an album opener and i just honestly can't say enough great things about that record um it's easily it was easily in my top albums of uh the past year uh if you want to go back and listen to the rob rivera episode i did where i counted down my albums of last year um that was definitely one of them and uh, i'm hoping hoping that maybe 18 visions will play out a little bit closer to here in michigan even if it's you know maybe a detroit date or a chicago date or something and uh, maybe my wife and I can can go and make that that work and go see them again. Uh, if they are playing anywhere around you, please go out and support them. They still put on a great show. The band sounds fucking great live, and uh, I just it was well worth the wait. It was it was a great show, and I had a great time seeing it. So uh, if you were were and or still are a fan of Eighteen Visions, uh, go check them out. Uh, they are very much back with a vengeance, and uh, I think Crucified is a great example of, of that. So, without further ado, going to play uh, Alice in Chains, Rain When I Die, followed by 18 Visions, Crucified. Talk to you next week.
Yeah, you feel 